Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and today we're talking to Kevin Rubio, the father of the Star Wars fan film and director of Troops, creator of Tag and Bink, as well as writer for Clone Wars. We talk about the inspiration behind Troops, just how involved George Lucas was in Clone Wars, and of course, Tag and Bink becoming canon in Solo. This is Talking Bay 94, episode 25, Kevin Rubio. All right, today we are joined by one of the most famous fans of Star Wars, really, and Mr. Kevin Rubio. Uh, Mr. Rubio, thank you so much for, for joining uh, Talking Bay 94 today. Uh, absolutely. Just just call me Kevin. Mr. Rubio is my father. All right, Kevin. Uh, well, what was the first interaction you had with the saga, and, and how did it kind of shape you? What did you initially even think of, of the movie? My first interaction was uh, seeing at Century 23, uh, probably, I, w- I want to say June 25th, 1977, in uh, San Jose, actually, well, Winchester, California. I saw it with my, my folks. I say it's the 25th of June because that's about the time it was released nationwide, and that was near near my mother and father's uh, wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like, like the, the nearest Saturday that my father could take all of us. The only the only takeaway I I vividly remember was simply my father saying that this was longer than the line for The Exorcist. <laughs> uh, other than that, I don't really remember too much uh, mm-hmm. about it, other than I I really enjoyed it and probably and spent the la- the next six months just devouring any anything I could as far as articles or any television specials or reports that would that would flash across the the TV and and try to find out as much as I could about the movie and by the time I saw it a second time uh, on my birthday in December I I knew the whole story every character how it was made all that stuff so it it really did make an impact that's what yeah. you long story short well, you made an impact well, it was a you know, as a ten uh, year old kid, I was the I was the right age. So everybody out there can now do the math. Because <laughs> yeah. then you got into you went to school for film and and you got into animation. I would assume that kind of learning about Star Wars and learning about how it was made. I mean, it, it's made an impact through every generation of filmmakers since. Uh, was that kind of the case for you? Well, yeah, with like like pretty much every filmmaker my age uh, who grew up on a diet of. Uh, of Spielberg and Lucas, uh, you know, I, I I wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, living in in a rural small community in Central California, uh, we we didn't really have access to to much in the way of uh, film equipment. But uh, my hometown had a very progressive uh, theater arts program, as well as um, and my high school had a, a really strong. Uh, arts and photography wing or division or whatever you want to call it so i was i was able to to study pretty much all of the the arts with the exception of of editing you know what throughout throughout high school and and uh, and junior high um sadly and this is this is a dig at my my former school the uh, the art the arts there are not what they used to be it's actually it's kind of just disgraceful mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in in the uh, in the seventies and eighties, a different story. So yeah, that uh, that that kind of then led me to uh, obviously want to, to 
to come and study here in in uh, Southern California. And uh, the, the schools opened were UCLA, USC, and uh, Long Beach State, as, as well as I think uh, Northridge also had a film uh, a, a film program. And then there was also the uh, Cal Arts. Mm-hmm. I, just, I ended up going uh, going to Long Beach probably. You know, if I'm being honest, it was because it was Spielberg's school. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, I knew that he, he hadn't graduated, so I kind of figured, well, if I don't graduate, I'm in good company. Right. He, he has since rectified that, and wa- he walked, I believe, with the class of 92. I, I'm, I'm sketchy on the details, but my memory is that I, I guess his kids were all getting to college age, and he was trying to still the benefit of, <laughs> of education and they could always come back at him with well you didn't graduate you seem right. to was fine so he approached the, the 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 school and said what do i need to graduate <laughs> and yeah. uh, he he actually did 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 attend class they he couldn't do it when everybody else was there because right. the school uh, again if i'm, I'm memory sketchy but i, I believe the, the the reasonings being that the school could not you know they couldn't function if he was on campus, so he had he had to come in in off hours. But uh, uh, I understand he did he did come in. He took tests. He uh, he he completed assignments, and they also gave him you know credit for for classes by simply right. saying, "Well, jazz, jazz is good for this class. <laughs> Close Encounters is good for this class." Right. <laughs> I can only imagine sitting in a class with Steven Spielberg. I'd probably just flunk right there. I'd be like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to pay attention for the whole semester. This is not going to. This is not going to happen. What's the professor going to tell him about filmmaking? Right, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have to give you a B, Mr. Spielberg. Uh, so when you went, what was your focus? What were you hoping to achieve after you graduated? Oh, like everybody, I wanted to be the next Spielberg or Lucas. Uh-huh. You know, I even I even had my 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 desert opus mm-hmm. that uh, was going to rival Amblin. Of course. On Unfortunately, the California weather was was not kind that year, mm-hmm. and the I had shot all the interiors, and the the two weekends that I had planned for exteriors were the only two weekends it rained that year. Um, so I was, you know, that it, it as probably not as expensive now, but more expensive then to rent all of this equipment to go out into the desert and shoot, and uh, so. I I rented the equipment but was unable to shoot anything. Uh, at Long Beach, uh, at the time, the film school was uh, was so uh, desirable that they could, you know, they could pick and choose who they let in and and more importantly who they kicked out of the program if you weren't making the grade. And uh, part of that was you finished your projects on time. And so with five weeks to go and no film. One of my friends, who is now a Muppeteer, mm-hmm. he 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 was always bugging me that we should do an animated movie. He he really wanted to do one, and so I kind of said, "Well, I got seven hundred dollars, and and you know, I, I knew that at the time an animated film had not been done at Long Beach State in twenty years. So I mm-hmm. gambled with the fact that if I if I could animate most of it and then just slug in storyboards." that they would let me pass and let me stay in the program. And that's uh, exactly what happened. In five five weeks, my, my friends and I did a claymation movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, what wasn't finished, we, we, we slugged with storyboards. Right. Uh, I got to stay in the program. I finished the film the next semester. 
uh, and out of money, um, I did what every film student did. You know, called one of his friends that was now working at a studio, and said, "Hey, man, can uh, can I give you the film to transfer onto uh, videotape so that I can give the promised copies to my cast mm-hmm. who had who had done it for free, as as most actors uh, do, and I believe still do today for film students." Um, and uh, I, I jokingly, but not, but sort of not jokingly said, and if you want to show it to your bosses and get me a job, that would be <laughs> awesome too. Uh-huh. So, you know, they took the film with a, with, you know, a, a good humor, uh, came back the next week with, with my copies on VHS transferred. And they said, Hey, it's really good. And I said, Oh, thank you. I said, no, 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 it's really good. <laughs> I, I showed it to my bosses and they want to hire you. <laughs> And so that is how I became an animator and a character designer. That was my first my first for, foray into a professional job doing what I had trained to do. Mm-hmm. Up to that point, I I have been doing uh, gigs, but I was like a a page at Paramount. I did tour guiding at Universal, mm-hmm. uh, little odds and ends. But uh, in '94, uh, I was thrown into the deep end with five Cal Arts guys and said so you're you're an animator <laughs> like sure and uh you know when you draw eight to ten hours a day five days a week you do get good yeah uh, so that's in fact my emmy card still says uh animator uh-huh. and, uh and you know my i i belong to the animation guild still and mm-hmm. uh and the animation writers caucus uh for the for the uh the wga <laughs> <laughs> It worked out. Yeah. So uh, from from there, uh, having done character designs for what was the Virgining Fox Kids Network, mm-hmm. I then got hired by Fox Kids to run their cell animation art department. And because I was an employee of Fox, when the special editions for Star Wars came out, we uh, uh, you know we all got to see those in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also the time that. Uh, South Park, uh, the 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 Spirit of Christmas uh, short, right. making the rounds uh, in Hollywood as a videotape, and uh, the guy that commissioned that film was actually uh, five doors down on my floor at Fox, and Trey and Matt were working for him. Oh, and and, and Trey and Matt would even come into my office from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, while they were trying to develop shows for what was then called Fox Lab, uh-huh. so I had a copy of the uh, of, of the Spirit of Christmas, a really good one because yeah. I basically second generation, and so all of my friends, you know, we're seeing this, we're seeing Trey and Matt blowing up all over town, and like like any person, a little bit pompous and narcissistic, that I I could do that. And uh, uh, after seeing a uh, special edition, Star Wars special edition, I'm walking back to the uh, parking lot with a group of my uh, colleagues uh, from Fox Kids and, and their friends that we all brought mm-hmm. on the lot. And uh, the three of the guys, uh, Dave McDermott, uh, David Hardgrove, and Stephen Milching, uh, were in the process of doing a... Uh, uh, a comic strip for a magazine called Sci-Fi Universe. It was going to yeah. be Tales of a Bounty Hunter, and uh, or Tales of a Death Star Scanning Crew, which was a parody of Tales of a Bounty Hunter, which was which was in uh, Dark Dark Horse. 
and it was it was going to be you know just star troopers that you know get up in the morning you know shave shower put on their uniforms then go down to docking bay uh 327 and uh walk up the ramp to the millennium falcon and get shot and uh, well, I can never remember who it was, so I kind of credit all of them. But some, one of them said, "You know, it'd be funny if you crossed uh, uh, cops with Star Wars." And I mean, since nobody took it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, "Wait a second. I said, "That would be funny." Yeah. So I went. Uh, I went back to my office rather than going home, and uh, I was across from the tape vault. So I just pulled up you know, like six episodes of Cops, uh, which was a Fox mm-hmm. show. And to uh, watch that kind of got the gist. The The most uh, common stories were uh, Grand Theft Auto and domestic abuse out of the five that I randomly pulled. Mm-hmm. So I decided to base it on that and just like, okay, what what are my assets? What do I have? And how can I do this as cheap as possible? And yeah. that's kind of how we, we get into troops. Incidentally, Stephen Milching... Uh, is now the the foremost uh, writer of uh, of Star Wars uh, canon outside of the movies. Uh, he's written for uh, Clone Wars, more more episodes for Clone Wars than any other writer. He was a co-executive on uh, or a story editor, co-executive story editor on uh, Rebels, mm-hmm. and uh, is also a contributing writer on uh, Resistance. And uh, Dave McDermott, also a, a animation uh, writer with list of credits too numerous to mention mm-hmm. but yeah so that that's what that's what brings us up to troops so then with troops i guess the actual filming of troops i i know there's been a lot of articles and just different like stories about the actual filming but how did you kind of decide to do it and then what was the filming process actually like it's all it was all budget driven um completely because i was still a poor you know uh, a filmmaker at that point mm-hmm. uh, not much has changed, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was like, well, I don't have money to build sets that are the quality mm-hmm. of of Star Wars. Uh, if my ultimate goal was that George would see this and I would want him to, you know, I'm a, a professional filmmaker. Right. The, the word the word fan film didn't exist, right? You know, and up up at this to this point, nobody thought we were ever going to get another Star Wars, right? So this was like, all right, well, I'm never going to be able to make real Star Wars. Uh-huh, this is right. going to be the, 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 only sh- the only chance I get, so let me make it as good as possible. And since I can't build a Death Star that looks exactly like it, I've got to do something on location, mm-hmm. which is either snow, desert, or forest, mm-hmm. all of which I have in Los Angeles, <laughs> you know, within... Uh, within Within you know two and a half three hours right. drive, right. Uh, I don't much care for the cold, <laughs> and um, uh, I couldn't really think of an interesting thing to do with Ewoks, and nor did I think I could I could get costumes that were good enough. So that left uh, that left Tatooine, and that's 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 why we did it the way we did it. It was all like okay, yeah, we can we can do desert, right. Uh, we can uh, do El Mirage Dry Lake Bed is a is a is government land. Mm-hmm. As taxpayers, we can use it, <laughs> and we can use it cheaply. The and, and everything was done above board because I knew that if I was going to take a crew out into uh, the high desert and put costumes on, 
if, if somebody fainted from heat exhaustion or there was a medical emergency, I wanted the ability to be able to evac them out with a right. helicopter. So we had, you know, full insurance and full coverage, which was required by the state of California mm-hmm. to shoot on government land. That was the most expensive thing. Uh, that was, that was, the insurance was 700 for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but to rent El Mirage at that time was like 150 bucks. <laughs> so I had an entire... I had an entire desert. Right. Uh, if, you know, in as much as you can, you you can. I didn't right. have a I didn't have a crew that could keep people out of the background, uh, but we did our best. So on set, when you had to cast people and you had to kind of tell people, like, "Hey, we're going to film a Star Wars parody," what what was kind of the thought process? How did you even kind of start writing this script to make it tight and make sense within a Star Wars universe? Even it, it was taking those situations of of a domestic abuse, right. And and Grand Theft Auto and translating it into that universe. And so when you when 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 that's your your focus, it's it, there are only certain things that fall into place when you're dealing with Star Wars. I say, right. well, that translates. I I thought droid droids would be cheaper than land speeders because I didn't want to build a land speeder, but right. I knew guys that already had R two D twos. So I said, well, all right, we're we're going to do R two, and we're going to do you know what happened. Uh, when Luke, just before Luke and Ben arrive at the burning Jawas, and then I thought, <laughs> all right, and then we'll we'll follow that motif, and we're going to do what happened just before Luke arrived back at his burning uh, homestead. That's 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 kind of how it is, and you know, just I'm I'm a better writer now, but I I knew how to write dialogue and how to how to do a script, and I I was basically following the cops format. That's kind of how it worked, and again, it was all budgetary. The you know I I I had worked at Universal Studios as a tour guide so, and as uh, as a performer so I had I had friends who were little people who I knew uh, would be up for donning Jawa costumes I didn't have uh, stormtroopers uh, that was the that was the hardest thing of, to get my one of my best friends was a was a, a special effects supervisor working at the time on Babylon Five I knew I knew we could do the effects uh, I worked at Fox. So I had, uh, you know, uh, uh, just a, a vast assortment of, of, of talented post-production people that were all like me who grew up on Star Wars. And as soon as they started seeing footage, you know, of course, anybody would be, a tre- I think, would be trepidatious. You know, say, hey, I'm doing a Star, Star Wars thing. <laughs> you have fun. Right. <laughs> uh, when people started seeing the footage mm-hmm. uh, and the effects, you know, then it was like, shit, what do you need? Right. Uh, and that's pretty much what happened. And as far as the the troopers go, that was luck. Um, my roommate at the time was head of admissions at the uh, the art center in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. When special edition Star Wars special edition A New Hope, I just call it Star Wars, came out the very next day on the front page of the L.A. Time were these stormtroopers uh-huh. that had that were outside of man's Chinese. And I thought that they were from uh, publicity and marketing at Fox. So I called up publicity and marketing because I, I'm a Fox employee. And I asked, right. hey, what, what's with the stormtroopers and can I borrow those? And I said, we don't know. They weren't ours. Uh, so I, I did some digging with uh, friends of mine who I knew were at the, the show and uh, talked to a buddy, uh, Bruce Wright, who's uh, an animator at Disney. And he said, I, I don't know who they are. But they all go to the arts center, and two of them are twin girls. Uh-huh. So it was like, well, how many twin girls know vacuum form at the arts center? So with that 
I just went to my roommate and asked her to find out who these people were. She came back with their names and their contacts, and uh, that's how I, I contacted them. I said, hi, I'm, my name you know, is Kevin Rubio. I'm, a, I'm a, a, an, an animator and a director at, uh, at Fox, which was all true. <laughs> and I said, and I'm doing a Star Wars, uh, little Star Wars short. <laughs> I'd love it if you guys would would be in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I gave them the script. And uh, you know, they again, like most people, ah, yeah, fine. <laughs> uh, they took it politely, but they called me the next day and they said, you know, we get the, these all the time. Yours is the only one that made us laugh, and we want to be in it. And that's that's how I got the the stormtroopers. So when it was released. Uh, kind of what was the reception like and, and how did it kind of build the steam that now we're kind of used to? Like, for instance, I was introduced to it on the Force.net website, but what was yeah. your initial plan for release? Well, uh, the initial plan was, was always to uh, show it at Comic-Con mm-hmm. because that year, and this, is, this was back when you could walk into Comic-Con on the first day and still get a hotel <laughs> and buy a ticket. Right. But, but uh, because I, I was a, a working professional uh, and had been going to Comic-Con, at that point I'd been going for five years, I, I got the, you know, the invite, is, do I want to do any panels? Mm-hmm. And that year at Comic-Con, the, the themes were uh, the 100th anniversary of Dracula, uh, the salute to the independent filmmaker, mm-hmm. and the 20th anniversary of Star Wars. So I I ticked two of the three boxes, and uh, and so I just said I'm, I'm I'd like to present a a Star Wars parody and Comic Con you know again like anybody else yeah okay sure <laughs> right. uh, we didn't get we didn't get the projectors that we asked for we didn't get you know they weren't giving us getting us a a, a 36 inch CRT. Um, uh, which for for the uh, for the uh, the uh, the newbies or the the uh, the, the the general public uh, is a cathode ray tube. It's a it's an old television, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, even though the the publicity was was very was limited to you know the day before handing out flyers, <laughs> we we got. Uh, more than packed house. We had people spilling wow. out, and so uh, we showed it. The you know, and and I, people were, were 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 blown away, which was nice. And it was, I know it was because, you know, when you it was kind of by design, uh, but when you see the uh, the 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 movie, uh, the opening effects shot, the very first shot that you see is TIE Fighters mm-hmm. over Tatooine. And it looks so much like a Star Wars shot right. that people, upon first seeing it, tend to think, well, you just took that from the movie. Right. But it's not. It was, it was, that was all done by Sean Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he just knows how to light and knows how to exactly mimic what a Star Wars movie looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next shot, uh, special effects shot, is a quick shot of two speeder bikes flying over uh, the desert sand of Tatooine. And at that point, the audience is like, well, I know that's not in any Star Wars movie. <laughs> right. 
So this this could be interesting. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, we end the uh, opening title sequence with Boba Fett and the stormtroopers, which kind of got people like, oh wow, you know. And so when we get into the the uh, the, the the show proper, the first shot is the stormtroopers with uh, uh, the the transport in the back and uh, two speeders, you know, zoom by. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. that everybody in the audience thinks, okay, well, yeah, the transporters, that looks, that looks good. Oh, those feeders, that was, that was really cool watching them. But there's no way that transport's going to take off. <laughs> and as soon as that transport lifted up and took off, the audience, you know, we had the audience. Right. Because it was like, holy shit. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and again, you know, this, you know, we're talking, we're talking something that's, that's 21 years old. Right. Uh, and it, it was done by really good effects guys. Mm-hmm. These were that had been working in visual effects for seven years at that point. So they knew what they were doing, and, and Sean did just a, an incredible job with that opening, with the, the, that opening shot. Definitely. Uh, so, you know, then everybody settled in and, you know, and and really enjoyed the piece and they, 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 they got it. They knew, you know, what it was immediately, what we were parodying. Right. Uh, they were getting all the little, like the Tom Servo thing. They really, you know, and so, yeah, by the end, everybody was just, you know, roaring. And, if, you know, we were, we were in a small room that could barely fit 300 people. And we, we did a Q and a after afterwards. And, you know, I was being mindful of the time, and I said, "Does everybody want to see it again?" And then so he's like, "Yeah, we would love." You know, so we we showed it a second time, <laughs> and, and at that point, it started rumbling. You know, around I saw a comic. You know, people from Comic Con were coming in mm-hmm. to look, and my friend Chris Gore, who is as responsible as anybody for just spreading the word, you know, he immediately was saw the you know, what this was. And he said, can I show this at my panel, which is about independent filmmakers? Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so he put out that, you know, if you miss troops the first time, you're going to get a chance to see it again, you know, on Saturday. Right. And so his, his panel was just, you know, flooded over with this, you know, people, everybody wanted to see it. Uh, and by that time, I got contacted by the organizers of Comic-Con and said, can we show it in, in Room D, which uh-huh. at that point was the largest. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, think, I, think it, I think that one could hold 1,000 people, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe 2,000, but I don't know. But it was the largest one that they had at Comic-Con at that point. Now it's Hall H, but this was Hall D. So right. they ended up showing troops in Hall D Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it's it screened the total of four times at Comic Con, and uh, in the first screening, uh, there were a couple of guys from ILM oh, who wow. came, and they said that was really good. Can we get a copy? <laughs> and I'm like, sure. And I I was hoping for that, so I had three copies on me, uh-huh. and I gave them a copy, and that's the copy that went to England, and that's the one that George saw. Wow. But yeah, so word spread about this, and Chris Gore wanted to host it on his film threat site, mm-hmm. but realized he just didn't have the bandwidth, didn't have the the financing to do it. Right. So he's the one that introduced me to the Force.net, mm-hmm. and so the Force.net was the one that uh, then picked it up. And between 
February of uh, 1998, or, ju or I should say July 1997 and February 1998, Troops only existed as a gray market underground video mm -hmm. that, I, that I disseminated. <laughs> uh, and, you know, people that had copies, everybody on the crew had, had a pristine copy struck right. from, the, from the digibeta. Um, but then you, you would you start to notice, because that's what I wanted. I wanted to be like South Park, where it would start to permeate Hollywood. Maybe people would start to talk. Right. Uh, but that what actually ended up happening was that when I uh, when it when it uh, went up on uh, Force.net and we crashed all of the servers on the Eastern Seaboard, mm -hmm. uh, that's that's when it got noticed. It it uh, you know when you when you crash when you crash uh, Newsweek and Time and uh, Life and Phil Donahue and Oprah. Right. Every uh, all of them want to know what the fuck. Why is our why is our, why our server down? And they right. say, well, everybody is trying to download this movie. <laughs> and it's like, wh wh why were they? What? Uh, huh? Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's a ten-minute movie, and it takes forty-eight hours to download. Right. And so that's when that's when uh, uh, the news media picked up on it, and. Again, it was just it was just luck. We were featured in the uh, Oscar edition of uh, of Entertainment Weekly and Newsweek. So every you know everybody in Hollywood grabs the Oscar edition, and we were the we were the the inside you know cover. And that's 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 when it started to at least ex explode, and and I became flavor of the month. Well, I mean, really. It, it... It, I mean, you've heard it before, and you, you you got an award from Lucasfilm for it, but it really set the tone and set kind of this idea that you know we only had hardware wars before this, really, and yeah. so it was you know Star Wars can be done by anybody, right? And I think it's the embodiment of what George kind of preached with mm -hmm. how he made his movies, and that's that's always so cool to hear. Um, I guess moving from troops, then you're making real Star Wars, quote unquote, real Star Wars, right? How did you get involved then with Star Wars Tales of Dark Horse and the Star Wars Insider. What was kind of that path? Um, oh, well, that was, you know, uh, uh, David Land, who was uh, then the, uh, the editor uh, at Dark Horse for the Star Wars license, uh, was a fan of troops, and he contacted me. I was, by that time, I was working at Warner Brothers uh, on, at Kids WB as a writer-producer, uh, and he found me through my agent, and uh, he asked if I wanted to do... Uh, a comic book uh, short before their for their Star Wars Tales line, and I thought, yeah, sure. And uh, they said we'd like we really like a you to do like a troops thing. I said I kind of I've kind of done that, right. you know. Can I do something? Let me let me let me pitch you something else. So right. I, the first piece I did was called a, a Death Star is Born, uh, which was about the construction of the Death Star, and and that sold really well. That was in Star Wars Tales Seven. Uh -huh. And then, so they asked me if I wanted to do another one, and the next one I did was uh, was um, uh, Force Fiction, uh, which was Mace Windu and Yoda uh, eating at some diner, right? Trying to decide whether or not Anakin should should be trained, right? And I, 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 I I'd like to note that came out before uh, Episode Two, so <laughs> I was I was the first to feature. Jedi's eating at a at a roadside diner. Right. <laughs> Although I I I I stole it from George and American Graffiti. That's what I was patterning it uh -huh. after, obviously. Um, 
and I uh, that that issue sold very well. And you could kind of track anytime I was doing a short, the issues would 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 sell a little more. And whether that was because I was also in the same issue as Sergio Argonas or not, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I tend to think I tend to think the latter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Lucasfilm then asked if I wanted to do my own comic book. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, Darko was saying, God, we really like something with like troops. <laughs> and so I said, all right, all right. Fine. Yeah. Let me, I, I'll do something with stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. And I pitched them Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead in the Star Wars universe. Right. And so I, I submitted an outline, and I had I had all three uh, movies outlined and how they would go through through all three movies and they said well we can only do two <laughs> so <laughs> I just did Star Wars and Empire with the hopes that someday I could go back to, to Jedi mm-hmm. and uh, yeah and that's that's kind of it it was just like how do you weave stuff and how do I explain plot inact- in, in, inconsistencies and right. holes that bugged me for years um, and that that was that was just kind of the mission. Try to explain away stuff, but make it funny. Right. Yeah, and then I think like a year later, they wanted me to do a part three, but they only wanted a 12-pager, so I did uh, The the Revenge of Tag and Bink. Right. It was supposed to be The Return of Tag and Bink, but what I, I told them, I said, look, for all the press, it's The Revenge of Tag and Bink, but, <laughs> but the story is The Return. Right. So let's get that meta, but somebody <laughs> somebody didn't get the note. Tag and Bink don't take revenge, right? That's the well, it's the, well, it's the, the you know. So the story, and I think that's I think that's Star Wars Tales Twenty One. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the revenge of Tag and Bank, but it should be the return, which is why when I did uh, the return of Tag and Bank special edition, mm-hmm. that that's that's the whole the whole <laughs> deal. And if you read the uh, if you read the title crawl for the return of Tag and Bank special edition. Um, that is exactly what happened. Now I'm going to have to go back and, and read everything. Because, yeah. I mean, you're probably aware, but the Star Wars tales themselves are very hard to find out, really. And so finally, the half price books by my house, I finally just, they have all the collected editions. I was like, you know what, like each of these are $20, but let me just make this investment now so I can, so I have I have the complete set finally. But You'd have to pick up the reissue of, uh, Tag and Bink were here. Yeah, because that was out of print for a long time as well. That was very hard to find. Marvel just brought it back in March. Yeah, but yeah. So if you if you read Tag and Bink special edition from that, mm-hmm. that it, the title crawl is exactly what happened. <laughs> it's, it's not a joke. Uh, <laughs> it, it reads like a joke, but right. that is exactly what happened. In fact, when I I, I the Revenge of Tag and Bink, I actually turned in early. Mm-hmm. Uh, much to the surprise of, <laughs> of Randy Stradley, uh-huh. and then like a month later, I said, "Oh fuck, I should have done this." <laughs> and so I called Randy. I said, "Randy, I will. I I, I figured out a better ending. <laughs> uh, I will. I will give you back the money. Right. You know, so it can go towards redrawing. You know, and I and I I told him the ending. He says, "Oh yeah, that is a better ending." <laughs> I said, "Well, I said, nah, it's already done." <laughs> I'm like, so when you, if you want to compare it, and you can compare it in the, uh, you can compare it in the uh, Marvel graphic novel, 
because both Revenge of Taganbank and Return of Taganbank are included in the Marvel graphic novel. Mm-hmm. So you can look at the first, uh, like, ten pages, and you can see the difference. See how it was meant to be seen. Yeah, how it was, re- yeah, how, how, <laughs> how, how you, essentially, you can, you can see first draft and second draft. Right, that's too great. At least for me, I grew up kind of with the special edition. Like me learning how to use the internet was me learning how to go to the Force.net and Rebel Scum, right? So it was kind of like a thing where I was just reading Starlogs and Star Wars Insiders, right? That was all I was doing. That whole era defined Star Wars for me, right? And the humor, I think it was Chris Current through everything I was reading, right? Through the fan films and then when I was reading the comics and I was reading the Insider at the very end of the issue. And then every single time it was written by Kevin Rubio. And so... I think one of the things then that jumps is then when you come back and you work on Clone Wars. And I, I mean, yeah. it was Bombad Jedi, and we actually yeah. we, we talked to J.W. Rinsler, and, mm-hmm. uh, who also uh, wrote Jar Jar for Clone Wars, and he was saying that a big priority for George was mm-hmm. what he referred to as the rehabilitation of Jar Jar, yeah. um, which I thought was super interesting. Um, was that kind of the same experience that you had when you were at least on Clone Wars? A, a lot of people don't realize that the, the, the process has gotten more streamlined now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, George was trying to do feature quality animation on a television schedule and budget. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, Clone Wars premiered in October of 2008. I had my first meeting for Clone Wars in July of 2005. Wow. Yeah. You know, and and it was it was, you know, hey, we're 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 making this up as we go along. <laughs> We've got, you know, certain things and we had, there are aspirations and then things change and, you know, uh, my episode was originally supposed to end with Quinlan Voss and Yoda fighting Asajj Ventress. Wow. Mhm. Uh, you know, but then, you know, the, the two episodes before me, they decided to blow up a planet, you know, <laughs> and, and <laughs> there went the budget. Uh, and with, with Jar Jar, I remember, you know, I, when I turned in my first draft, uh, Henry Gilroy, who was the uh, showrunner, uh, thought I was being a little bit too, uh, hard on Jar Jar. Mm-hmm. And I had Repio basically speaking as one of the fans. Okay, yeah. Um, and, uh, and so he asked me to soften it up, and then George, oh, George actually overruled him. He said, no, no, 3PO should treat Jar Jar like the fans treat him. Uh-huh, wow. Um, so there was that, and I think the only, I didn't, I didn't really get any notes from George. I just got a GWL, and <laughs> I didn't understand what that was when I got, and, and you know, we weren't even, we weren't sending stuff uh, over the Internet. We, mm-hmm. we would we FedEx the scripts. That's how secretive it was. Right. So we would we would write the scripts, we would print them out, and we would FedEx them. I'm sure it's changed now. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I got I got a copy back with GWL all over it, and I was like, good with something. Right. And I had to call up Henry and just say, what's what's GWL? And he said, oh, that's George. <laughs> <laughs> George Walton yeah. Lucas. Lucas, yeah, and and, and uh, I I get credits for there. There's sometimes people they say, oh God, I love that whole thing about uh, Princess Leia, the the line read with Princess Leia and uh, and three PO, where mm-hmm. you know it's like Jar Jar, Jar Jar, <laughs> and uh, and the, the the Roger 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 Roger. That's that's 
I didn't give him credit for it, but that was actually George in the booth. I love it. Doing a rewrite and, and, and doing a voice direction. So, you know, those people that, that perceive George as not having a good sense of humor or not knowing, uh, they are, are wrong. Right. He, he's, he just has a very British, ride sometimes black sense of humor. Right. It'll be very interesting kind of looking at Clone Wars in a few years because I think people are underestimating how much George actually did on that, right? I mean, we know that he did it. <laughs> he did everything he on did, it. Yeah, it's it's a George Lucas Star Wars and I think people kind <laughs> of didn't even realize, yeah. Everybody loves to, you know, and 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 nothing against Filoni. If, if, right. if ever there is a successor to to George, it is it is Dave. Right. He was he was with George, you know, damn near twenty four seven, and he soaked up, you know, uh, all of George's knowledge like like a sponge. He is he is a true Jedi master, <laughs> but but you know George was calling the shots. He was there at at every meeting, right. um, uh, you know, every every story break. He was he was you know in recordings, uh, overseeing design. And and it shows. I mean, you just look at at the the worlds and and the differences of designs and how things progress. And you know, sometimes you people don't understand because you know everybody wants to you know, claim Star Wars for their own, and that right. that just speaks to the to the popularity of the brand and stuff. And you know, the, there was a, this initial pushback when people saw Resistance, saying, "Oh man, they didn't make it for kids." I'm like that's what all of them are that's, for. That's Star Wars. Yeah, that's Star Wars. Yeah, you know, and it was the same thing with uh, when when people saw Clone Wars. Yeah. you know, and the pushback on Ahsoka. Yeah, and and now you know she's one of the favorites, and that's it, but again, that's that's George. George said, "I need we need a character, you know, for Anakin, right, and somebody that the audience can identify with, and." Uh, uh, he even, he even uh, I don't know if it was him that told uh, Ashley or if, if it was Dave or, but, you know, saying, look, there's going to be pushback. You know, fans aren't going to like you at right. first, but, you know, trust us. But that happens, uh, that's happened on everything I've ever been involved with when you do go through a major change. Uh, uh, I was, I worked on uh, two iterations of Ben 10 mm-hmm. and. You know, when we went from one style to another, the fans, ah, God, they ruined it. Right. You know, exact same people working on it, but it's like, ah, and then, you know, then it changes again. says, oh, man, they've ruined it. It's just, it just comes with the territory. And you look at, you, you just, you, if you look at Steve's uh, Trooper piece mm-hmm. from uh, one, and you look at that one, and then you go all the way to the end and just note the difference in how the lighting improved and the... Yeah. The animation and just uh, you know the 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 expansion of the worlds and stuff. Uh, in, in the beginning, it was all okay. We can only get too many, you know, one character here. You know that that's the budget. We're still trying to figure this out. You know, when I was doing uh, Bombad Jedi, it was like okay, you can't show Jar Jar diving into or coming out of water. <laughs> and I was like, it's a water planet. Right. How the hell am I supposed to? You know, and right. like we haven't figured out how to render it right. we don't the cloth dynamics uh you know and the and the simulations just aren't going that way and i was initially going to have uh asajj uh battle with uh uh with quinlan voss she was quinlan voss was supposed to be part of the court oh wow and that was why they thought 
Jar Jar was a Jedi because Quinlan would be in the shadows actually performing stuff as a Jedi. And Jar Jar uh-huh. started to believe he was a Jedi. Uh-huh. Uh, and then in the end, Asajj Ventress was supposed to reveal herself like a worm tongue, you know, to, right. uh, to uh, Od- uh, Ono. And, that, and she was supposed to have makeup on, like a whole wig and oh, everything. Wow. And there was going to be a fight with Quinlan. She was going to get pushed into the, the waters. And then when she was supposed to leap out, you know, sans wig, makeup dripping off, revealing who she was, you know, with lightsabers. Mm-hmm. And, of course, again, just they hadn't figured out how to do that. Yeah. Cheap uh, in, in CG. So Strike Quinlan's, you know, Strike Asajj strike Ventress uh, doing that. And I was, I was like, well, what if we have a lightsaber battle? And because, you, you know, we're, every time you do a lightsaber battle, you want to do it sparingly, but every time you do one, you want to try to, do something that's never been done. Right. So, and and in animation, unlike uh, uh, just uh, live action, you actually have to choreograph everything mm-hmm. um, because the animator's got to have to board it. So you know, so I, I I was choreographing this fight ahead of time, like with one lightsaber, like they're they're both fighting over the one lightsaber, right? With hands gripping and they're tossing and and you know Henry and Dave. You know, pat, patting me on the 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 backs, or you know, <laughs> metaphorically, and say, Kevin, yes, what do Jedi's wear? Robes. <laughs> and and what happens when two robes bump up against each other in a C, two pieces of cloth bump up against each other in a CG animated? And I'm like, oh man, intersection, poly poly crashing <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we haven't figured out how to separate the robes. <laughs> so that so that there there went the uh there went the the, the lightsaber battle with right. two two you know, a Sith and a Jedi fighting with just one saber. You know, and it like like everything, you know, budget budget driven at that point. I mean, yeah. trying to have the best story possible within the budget that you had. And uh, uh, Catherine uh, Winder was the executive in charge at that time. It was it was her and George, mm-hmm. and it basically laid out as Catherine is Obi Wan and George is Anakin, and George is George is going to go on and charge in and and do everything, and Catherine is here to rein us in. <laughs> but ultimately, George is going to get what he wants. <laughs> Um, and he would, and, and but it was his money, and so yeah. he, you know, if if he felt it was important, uh, it's like, yeah, all right, we'll 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 do it, and that's the the only reason you they well, I mean, it's a lot of reasons, but it's the main reason that they the the show ended up being as good as it 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 was, and it was a crime that it took all the way to the to the last season to right. actually get an Emmy nomination. Right. That thing, in my opinion, was deserving every every year just based on sheer technical effort that, mm-hmm. that they had to do. If you look at Clone Wars uh, first season and, and then you look at uh, Green Lantern, which was, <laughs> came out, Green Lantern, the animated series. And I worked on Green Lantern, the animated series, and Jim Krieg did an outstanding job. I think that's probably the best incarnation and overall story arc for Green Lantern that, yeah. has, that has ever been put put to to uh, to digital, um, but you look at the animation there, and they were struggling with the same that that Lucas was uh, six years earlier. Mm-hmm. 
you know, Green Lantern came out in, in 2013, and you look at you look at Star Wars: uh, uh, Clone Wars in 20, 2008 up against Green Lantern in 2013, mm-hmm. and look at the difference in the animation. And that's because George was was pushing. And now they can they can do anything. By the time they got to the last season of Clone Wars, it's like, yeah, just write anything. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things, I guess, about the new Disney movies and the making of behind that is we don't see a lot. It's it's very hush-hush. And, but when you do get something, right, when you do get J.J. Abrams posting a video of some creature on the set or uh, Ron Howard with his you know set photos, it's kind of special. And so when Ron Howard posted that picture, right, <laughs> said Tag and Bink, it was the craziest day for me. But, I mean, I'm sure for you it was a little crazier to say the least what was yeah. your reaction to seeing that and kind of uh well, you you can look at my tweet response <laughs> that that was my reaction yeah holy shit ron howard <laughs> just made my character's canon right. that was that that was that was that was i i i tweeted what my reaction was i mean because yeah. i read that i think it was john kazan that was very into to tag and bink and kind of he was the one he was also one wanting to play them and everything like that so I, I I thought it was so great to see them kind of call back to it and and then finally see it on the on the bonus features was was great. Yeah, I know. I I owe I owe that all to to John. John is a Star Wars nerd. Yeah. Yeah. To the nth degree, more so than than most people. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a nice little cherry on top. So, what yeah. are you what are you working on now? Where can people kind of see more of your work if if they want to check it out? The last two years, I've been doing stuff for the foreign market. So, unless you're unless you're in China or Paris, you're not going to see the stuff I've been working on recently. Uh-huh. And as they say, I am I am in the process of 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 doing three other things, but they I can't talk about right. them right now. Um, prior to that, I mean, you know, I I was I was did uh, Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what else uh, uh, did I do? Uh, I did uh, Avengers Assemble. Been doing uh, uh, like I did. I did Ben Ten. I did uh, Justice League Action. Yeah, I, I, it just just you know doing stuff here and there. Uh, mainly working at uh, my my buddy's Synaptic Studios, and we've been we've been just developing IPs. Um, you know, and and come close a couple times. You know, we've been, like everybody else. We've been pitching all over town, Netflix and right. Amazon. And then all of the, all the streaming channels and stuff. We had, we had one that uh, that Netflix loved, but uh, another studio that will go unnamed is going to be dropping a movie uh-huh. uh, that apparently, uh, apparently sucks. <laughs> and they said, but it's 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 an, it's close enough to ours that if that if we mm-hmm. came out, it would just be associated with this movie. Yeah. And apparently they. The the studio that shall not be named has put so much into it. They they have actually gone ahead and done a TV series to accompany it later. Uh, so yeah, it would be like I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, to come up with a, with an analogy. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, our, no no matter how good and how different uh, the project that we pitched, it was it it still had some key elements that are that are like this property that is going to be coming out next year. And so, so Netflix had to do a pass. They were like, "We love it, but right. yeah. <laughs> everybody's going to associate it with this." Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know you always hint at a, a potential tag and bink uh, sequel, but 
uh, I know you you pitch something, I guess, eventually, but Marvel or uh, you know uh, 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 Heather Antus was pushing for it, and then she left Marvel, and then the yeah. people that came in, they were like, nah. Even though the whole reason that Marvel put out Tag and Bink again was to test the waters, and it's right. apparently it's, it's it's selling great. Yeah, but but uh, for some either I, I think it's Marvel that doesn't want to do it. Mm. I, I have a I have a tag I had two tag and bank uh, follow-ups. Uh-huh. Uh, but, so, you know, uh, fans out there just complain to Marvel. <laughs> I'll, I'll start the petition. I'll start tweeting it there out. But, yeah, I mean, because you would assume that that thing sold so well just because I had an, an original copy, but if you if I wanted to buy a new one, you know, a year ago, it would have been $100 for the paperback. So, you know. Um, but I'll, I'll even tell you, the, the titles are Tag and Bink Awaken and Tag and Bink, the second and third Last Jedi. Oh my goodness, this is, oh my goodness. I, uh, well, I'll start the petition now. So, uh, perfect. Well, uh, Mr. Rubio, thank you so much. Um, your, your stuff is, was always an inspiration to me and, and some of my favorite Star Wars periods. So um, it was a, a huge pleasure and honor to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you again to Mr. Rubio for taking the time to talk to me and let me geek out about some of my favorite things in Star Wars. Follow him at the Kevin Rubio on Twitter and please join me at Tweeting at Marvel uh, to get the sequels to Tag and Bing published. Uh, next week we won't have an episode uh, because of Thanksgiving, so my family isn't mad that I'm like editing a podcast instead of eating with them. But we'll be back after that. Uh, we already have a few really great guests uh, lined up, so just stay tuned leave a five-star review, and may the force be with you.